Welcome to This Creative Life Radio. I'm Felicity O'Connor. Creative women all over the world are unblocking and recovering their creative journey while they rewrite the rules for creative success. Join me as I explore the lives of people engaged in successful creative work and unlock helpful tips that leave you inspired and ready to create. So, um, here we are on this Creative Life podcast. I'm your host, Felicity O'Connor, and I'm very delighted to introduce um, a beautiful artist and sculptor, Sandra Blim, today, or commonly known as Sandy. That's how I was introduced to her. Uh, Sandy and I met uh, just recently at the Manly Art Gallery in Sydney at an event called uh, Creative Women's Circle, uh, which was a really interesting thing to go to, and... Um, I was really impressed hearing Sandy speak, uh, her level of experience, her depth of understanding about the creative process, and to hear her own story. And so I um, pushed the crowd aside at the end of the talk and shoved my <laughs> business card in her hand and, and said, um, please let, let me interview you because it'd be wonderful to speak to you. So welcome, Sandy. Hello, Felicity. Thank you for this opportunity. It's fantastic. That's my pleasure. And I, I said to you that um, you know, what you spoke about uh, when I heard you last week was, was just a really lovely rendition of your story and, and the creative process and some uh, tips and advice for us other artists. So I, I just thought I'd just love you to start with um, following that track and, and maybe tell us a little bit about yourself and your work to, to begin. Uh, sure. Um, well, I guess I'll start um, just a little bit about myself so you can – and your listeners can understand where I'm coming from and, and probably will have similar experiences to mine if they find themselves, like so many women, returning to the workforce after children and then building a life and doing all those things. And then you reach a certain age where you think, well, now it's my turn. And that's what I started doing in the early 2000s when I um, started going to TAFE and doing the um, fine arts course at the TAFE, which sadly no longer exists. What an opportunity to regain confidence in yourself. We really have to start badgering the government to reinstate those courses because they're a, a very important pathway for uh, women to get back in the workforce and also for people who are heading into retirement to have another opportunity to lead a creative life um, when they've got so much life experience to offer. Mm. Um, after that, I went to TAFE for two years, which was a thoroughly wonderful experience and learnt many skills and also confirmed that maybe I had some good ideas and, and um, all those years of observing and travelling and living really it gives you something to say visually. Um, and um, I went, after that, I went to the National Arts School and did my Bachelor of Fine Arts Honours. So that was four years on top of that. And I'm thinking, my God, I'm so indulgent. But it, honestly, <laughs> it, it, they were the some of the best, most fortifying uh, years of my adult life. They were wonderful because it, for the first time since I was um, an adult really or since I got married and we had children it was the first time it was all about me and I think a lot of women lose that opportunity pretty early on in life and so I felt 
I felt incredibly privileged to have been to both those institutions that really gave me the confidence to proceed. Mm. Um, But the hardest thing I found was when I got out into the big wide world, out of the protective wing of the art school and the TAFE, was actually acknowledging myself as a creative person and an artist. I for a long time, I couldn't call myself an artist. I, I thought of my, still thought of myself as a student. But I think you have to just take a stand with yourself and say, put it out there, you, you are a practising artist. If you'd done a course in any other discipline and to that degree and gone out in the world, you'd be considered a professional. So as long as you are making art and thinking about it in a, constructive and creative way than you yes you are an artist um i i at the present the when i was asked to do this presentation i stopped and i thought about the things that really were difficulties for me and things that were also important and and the first thing was uh calling yourself an artist can be the hardest thing Mm. you ask yourself the question do i deserve the title Am I good enough? Do I need a degree to prove it? Do I need a body of work? And do I need a group of like-minded people to share ideas and be creative with? And the answers to all those questions vary with every individual. Mm. But no, I don't think you need a degree to prove it. You certainly don't. There are an absolute millions of artists out there who produce the most wonderful works without any formal acknowledgement of a degree and traditionally that has been the case. But as far as a body of work goes, yes, I think you do need a body of work because for no other reason it helps you prove to yourself that you're progressing and developing in a direction that gives you pleasure and helps your expression your visual expression and the body of work even if you sell everything always keep a record because you'll go back and look at works you've done before and think oh that was really quite good and (laughs) it's something that you can build on in the future nothing static nothing ever stays the same it's I think art making is all about progression and development yes yes And, and I think the other thing is you can look back and also say geez that wasn't so good was it look look at how far I've come Absolutely, it's it's and you know it's it's about developing that that eye, the critical mm. eye, um, and that's where a group of like-minded people, a cohort to share, um, you, to have someone to be able to call and say, "Would you please come and look at this piece I've been working on? I'd really like your opinion. Am I going in the right direction?" Mm. And to have someone you trust who can be honest about that is is incredibly valuable and um, that's one of the things that you have to deal with when you leave an institution is suddenly you're out there on your own. So getting that circle of, of intimate friends who, who you trust is very important and it will give you the confidence to take your work into exhibition and that is, as we all know, is the real test of of making work, getting that um, unbiased response to work, I think is also incredibly valuable. Mm, I really love what you're saying, Sandy, about the a community, a, a cohort, or um, 
yeah, a, a, um, a group that you feel that you can trust and connect with. I mean, I think one of the things I've certainly developed recently is is an online community of such called From the Easel, which is which is a Facebook community, and um, it just reminded me so much of now how things like social media can allow us to find that community. I mean, it's different to your buddies that you go along to galleries with or, or invited mm. into your studio for, for a critique. But nevertheless, I think we're finding that many people, particularly in isolated areas, now can connect online and find some of that like-mindedness, which I think is enormously valuable. Well, I, I absolutely, and I applaud uh, your efforts in, in, um, in the online area because from my perspective, now that I have, um, I'm not actually living in Sydney, I've moved to far western Victoria, it's through online means that I actually keep in touch with people um, and follow them online and see what they're doing and join them in Sydney or in other parts of Australia to to get together for things like this um, talk we had at Manly Art Gallery. Um, it's, it's just we are very, very privileged to be in this era of... Um, real communication mm. uh, and um, there's just the, the possibilities of it are endless they really are it's um, it's a it's a wonderful thing mm. um, but um, the only problem with online is it can be a bit of a distraction ah. it's one of the things that I really have to watch myself with um, because you know, I can't procrastinate, and I have to time myself when I go and and look at particularly e- emails and and Facebook groups that I've got that I just have to be very disciplined about how much time I actually spend looking at it, and and I don't spend enough time in the um, studio working. But right, that's my own problem. I maybe I'm maybe oh. I've got too many friends. Oh, I don't I don't think you're on your own with that problem, however, Sandy. <laughs> I think we can we can all resonate with that. I'm interested to hear how you you deal with it. So you actually give yourself a set amount of time. Is that how you do it? Well, I do actually, and and it sounds really pathetic. But when my children <laughs> were young, I used to put the kitchen timer on and say, when that goes off, your online time is finished. <laughs> and I actually do it with myself. Yeah, excellent. I think that's a great tip. Yeah, well, sometimes I can be more generous than others, but anyway. <laughs> <laughs> but it's 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 um it's just the tyranny of distance. And when you you know, uh, I you for yourself, I just I miss the opportunities to go to exhibitions and and things in Sydney. And but being um, in another part of the country, I've actually discovered that there's a whole world of wonderful art making out in the country and I've got access to um, other state galleries. South Australia is probably my closest capital um, and um, also Victorian uh, uh, Art Gallery, National Gallery in Victoria is also wonderful. So um, I take great delight in going to the exhibitions in my local regional gallery and Regional galleries are um, a very undervalued resource, which are uh, tremendously exciting because, again, it's another opportunity for like-minded people to gather and share ideas and and um, meet each other. It's um, breaking into a new community. If you haven't got a kid going to the local school, join the local art society. They're a really interesting group of people. Mm, that's a great advice, and I, I totally agree that the uh, regional galleries are wonderful resource for lots of reasons take us back sandy take us let's mind mm-hmm. back because you did tafe you did national art school you you found 
your feet after that course and and just talk us through that what happened in your career and how what did you end up working with people may not be familiar with your work well um i must admit since i have since i uh finished at national arts school which is not is actually not true you can't finish in that national arts school they keep pulling you back and getting you to help and work as a teacher and stuff like that so the opportunities um for the kind of work I was doing, um, my work principally is sculpture, but I'm also I also practice have a two D practice which includes printmaking, photography, and some painting. But uh, painting something that I'm in the process of reviving now, just because of the logistics of not having a fully kitted studio in Western Victoria makes it very difficult to do, for example, large-scale formless steel welded works, which is part of my practice as well. Um, in 2007, um, post-TAFE, before I started at the National Arts School, I had a, a piece in the um, uh, Willara Small Sculpture Prize, um, which was very exciting because that's um, quite a difficult one to get into and, and it was sort of I entered not expecting to get in and, Wow, great, that happens. I mean, entering competitions, particularly for sculpture, is actually a really good way to maintain momentum with your practice because it gives you a deadline. And, again, like the internet, one of my big problems is is uh, procrastinating. Mm -hmm. And um, if I have a deadline, I know that I'm going to make work and complete it. Um, I f find that the um, that third dimension in sculpture adds an enormous um, – it just – there is just so much more difficulty involved in creating 3D work than 2D work for me. Probably that's why I enjoy doing it because I find it so much more difficult. Mm. Um, the um, It's the materials. It's the um, – just the physicality of having to make something in 3D is, is tremendous. Um cutting steel, welding steel, joining steel, joining disparate materials, all those different skills. How, what's the best way to join wood and glass? What's the best way to join steel and leather? You, different, different materials have their own problems, but that's all part of the, the adventure. So um, that's what, how I maintained my forward momentum was by entering competition and shows. Um, again, your local regional gallery will offer you opportunities to do that. So it's really a great idea to get on the mailing lists of galleries that you feel are um, feasible for you to um, reach and to um, make work for around a busy life. Um, the big shows can actually be quite expensive to enter, so I think it's always worthwhile checking out the local scene and seeing what's there um, as a way of imposing discipline on yourself to keep proceeding. Um, after the Willara Small Sculpture, I went to the National Arts School, which was, as I said before, was just a wonderful experience, so nurturing, and um, having the opportunity to, to get involved in student life again after all these years was just so much fun. And, um, you know, I was one of those nauseating mature age students and the kids would say, oh, Sandy will do it. <laughs> 
had a colleague in my studio who said, you've got to learn the N-word. I said, the N-word? She said, yes, it begins with N and ends in O. <laughs> but, you know, I was only going to be there for a little while, so I thought I'm, I'm jumping in with both feet, and that was great. Um, and after that, um, I, when that all finished, I really made an effort to get involved in uh, local and regional art shows, sculpture shows particularly, are um, logistically very difficult. So, I mean, if you have a painting and you enter it in a show, you can take it often in the back of your car. But if you have a two-metre-by-two-metre-by-two-metre sculpture, Mm. the the logistics of moving that from Sydney to the the, um, beaches is not too bad. If you have to take it to the Southern Highlands, it can be an issue. It's, mm. um, as you can imagine, it's quite difficult. And, and the thought of shipping something to Perth and having to pay for it is, um, again, a, a difficulty. So really I think everybody's practice. You, you have to practice within your, within your ability to make art. And I don't think starving is a really good look for artists. I think artists no. need to, to be practical and um, make art that is achievable. I think the worst thing would be to set yourself uh, a goal that was beyond practicality. Mm. I think that would be very that that can be very disheartening. Mm. Um, mm. So you know, keep it real, keep it keep it sensible. Um, I, I tend to swing back to the the sculpture position because that's where I've come from. But um, I've also um, found another uh, form of uh, f- to assist in forward momentum is not just um, exhibitions and shows, it's also um, residencies. Residencies can be um, tremendously enhancing for your practice mm-hmm. um, because it's all about you and your practice. They select you because they see in you as an artist something that resonates with the with the um, place where the residency is taking place. There are some wonderful ones around Sydney. There's um, Kimbricky Residency, which was the first one I ever did on the at the tip on the northern beaches. Oh yes, I've seen, I've seen uh, the image of, of that. I think it's been around quite a bit. It was oh yes, it has fantastic sculptor sculpture. So, uh, Fun. It's so much fun. Yeah, the only downside of that for me was actually I was working to quite a tight brief. The director at the time really wanted specific types of work. So instead of spending the time that I was there really focusing on work for me, I felt that I was in, it was incumbent upon me because they built me a studio because I was the first one to do it. Oh, awesome. To my specs, well, limited in a limited way, <laughs> to produce the works that they Felt they were so basically it was commissioned. I the so I I um, spent a lot of time on the tip edge watching people bring interesting things up and um, managed to save a piano from going over the edge and and wow lots of ste- metal um, roadwork signs which I used to in in a, a sculpture that's still standing there that's become a bit of a pet for all the. The, the blokes who work there. It's a very blokey environment. Can, can um, you describe that? Because, oh, as I said, I've seen images from that sculpture. Yes. To tell, just describe it for our listeners. Well, I don't know where it came from, but, I mean, I have a great love for the artist Rosalie Gascoigne who made all those marvellous works out of 
road signs, the difference being that the road signs that she was working with were made out of timber and the ones that I was working with made out of steel. And I spent a small fortune on uh, angle grinder blades and snipper blades cutting these blinking signs, these yellow and black road signs up to create the body of two um, giraffes, mother and baby giraffe, and they were constructed from discarded ladders. So if you imagine the the front legs of the giraffe was a ladder and the back legs of the giraffe was a ladder and the body was a ladder and the neck was a ladder and um, it was they were clad in black and yellow um, road signs and I cut the head and formed the head out of another one with um, with a a water ski painted blue as what? the tongue. Yes. <laughs> So, but it was just a complete flight of fancy. It was great fun to do. And, and really because of the nature of the tip and the fact that it's also an area that's used for primary education when the kids do civics and things like that and also a, a lot of um, gardening groups and other community groups, including art groups from um, around the Sydney area, go through um, Kim Bricky Um in guided tours, looking at the works and discussing them. And uh, the um, education officer there said it's the best thing that they ever did because it really gives a great finale to <laughs> tours with, with the primary school kids and the um, and the um, different art groups that that's, go through. That's fantastic. I mean, I, I can remember being fascinated with tips um, from childhood and we used to have a joke of, of our uh, local tip uh, fellow that used to manage manage the area, and uh, we would always call him the Tip Rat. Mm. <laughs> but I, I can just imagine you would have seen some fascinating sights, and how um, wonderful to do a residency in such an amazing sort of different well, place. It was that <laughs> fantasy of being locked in the department store after lights out. It was I was the only person <laughs> who had free pick at the Tip Edge. Wow! Everyone else had to pay except me, and yes. I had first dibs. Oh, wow. And where else else have you gone on and done residencies? Well, um, directly after I finished that, I actually went to Paris on another residency for three months at Cité Internationale des Arts, and that was through my art school. Oh, yes. Um, But now that I've been there once through the art school, I'm I'm an approved person, so any time I go back to Paris, I can ring them and say, do you have a space for six weeks or something? And there are 350 different... um, units within the um, compound of the residency and they've always got space there are many other ways you can apply for it but it's it is the most that was probably the heart one of the highlights of my life was actually being in that place for such a long time and really being able to feel my way through and not feel like a native because that's not possible but certainly feeling very at home um in a, in a country where English is not the first language, um, I'm about to embark on a, a, a holiday in um, the UK and Italy and one of the things I'm going to check out there is further residencies. There's um, a British School of Art in Rome which is accessible in Australia and um, that's another possibility. Uh, travel in countries that have these amazing collections and traditions of art particularly in sculpture, um, 
they're all the works that I studied when I was at art school and to be able to see them in Paris, so many of them in Paris for the first time, in 3D was absolutely mind-blowing. Mm. It's um, it's just very difficult to visualise some of them and, and um, next month I'll be in um, Florence looking at works that I studied and Venice and Rome and in London. So I'm hoping that um, I'll be... Um, sending back lots of photos and reporting on how I'm going along. I'm, I'm getting more and more excited as I think about it. That it's, sounds fantastic and, and so rich for you, you know, your creative um, education and understanding. And we, I think we might have to get you back to, to chat to you <laughs> on your return and you can tell us about what happened. <laughs> well, that look, it'll be very exciting and um, I, my, my poor husband will, doesn't realise it, but he's going to be sent off. Well, I just sit and do some drawing, I think. And, beautiful, uh, beautiful. The Adventures of Sandy Blim. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I feel very privileged to be doing this and, and hope, well, I know for a fact that it's it's certainly going to colour uh, my practice. I've already got some ideas forming up that I, I want I want to make in response to seeing um, all this classical sculpture particularly and um, looking in my in my to my new environment in Western Victoria, there's an op- option to um, access some very interesting stones. So I might have to revive my carving practice. That would be that'll be quite interesting. Oh, superb! So, yeah, superb. So how long did you say you're going for this time? Are we going for a month? So right. so not insubstantial, but um, I've I've been making lists. <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm going to. I'm not. Uh, there's no way you can do everything in a month, so I have to be very selective, mm. and and that's where research is very important. Um, really knowing what I want to go and see, and um, and making the most of it, because the as you well know, the logistics of getting to and staying in Europe are very complex and very expensive. So you've really got to take advantage of it. I don't think a trip anywhere, even when I go to when I go to Adelaide from where I live in Mildura, I always make sure that I know what's on, find out what's on, have a, a, a really good go at taking advantage of those trips to um, see as much as possible and familiarise myself with the local scene. Um, it's, um, it's, I guess it's just part of our professional, uh, you know, once you're out in the big wide world, Art school would call it professional practice, but that's what it is. Mm. Um, being businesslike about it, and I think to be to be successful, to uh, it's very difficult to survive as an artist, as you, I'm sure you know. But to to be successful at it, you do have to be businesslike, unless you have a patron or someone who'll do all those unpleasant tasks for you. So start by making lists, I always, I always just think. <laughs> yeah, I, I think that's um, excellent advice and it really is about being organised, isn't it, both with your business head and with your time. And I think that's what you're saying when you go and invest some time, time to is, travel somewhere. Yeah, yeah time make, is, make it worthwhile. Make it worthwhile. If you just front up somewhere and you think, oh, I'm out of the station now, <laughs> where do I go? You could just miss out on so much. Um, and you know, in, take time while you're while you're at places and looking at things. Sometimes the temptation is to to go too quickly through 
those those enormous national galleries are so full. They're so replete with amazing pieces. It just can be overwhelming. But if you can take time to just sit and particularly draw, mm. that translating that that viewed image through your hand onto paper can can really help you nail down details and information that you otherwise wouldn't retain. And, and of course, it, they make a great resource for later on. And it, uh, when I was in Paris, I, I did a lot of drawing um, of works and people. And I one of the little projects I've got for myself that I, I'm, I'm still working on is images of people observing arts of work so I actually started taking pictures and doing drawings of the other people in the gallery space because they were almost as interesting as the artworks after a while fantastic <laughs> so you you were working from drawings and, and that's obviously reference you were saying reference material do you take photos too Sandy oh yes I take yeah. a lot of photos yeah. um but I find with the drawings because it's such an immediate response to what's in front of you you actually you can see the mood in the drawings, whereas the mood isn't in the photographs necessarily. There's information, but the mood isn't always captured through the lens because the lens is going to distort the impression that you're getting at any time. It, that's just how, you know, lenses work. But I think if you can discipline yourself to draw, it's it's um, a, an incredibly valuable tool Um one of the most gorgeous things is in the State Library of New South Wales and um, quite a lot of libraries and art galleries actually have artist books collections and they're really very exciting to go and look at because they really show you how the mind of the artist is working. It, it's very inspirational. Absolutely, yes. And I, I think you, it, it is so vital, that, that drawing process for that connection to, you know, your eye and your hand. And I, I've many a time missed it and then gone back and done some or had a period where I could do some. And there's no doubt the, the impact that that then had, even if I wasn't using it as a direct reference point for my painting, there's mm. no doubt that, that that it did sharpen up um, and, and sort of shape, you know, the impact of what then happened later on. Absolutely. it's a, I mean, drawing is the most fundamental skills in to all art forms, if if you can't ex- if you have difficulty expressing what you want to say in a drawing, it's not going to be any easier in paint or in stone or or in print. You mm-hmm. drawing, I think, is the the basic language of art as we know it. Even even in in um, creative skill practices like craft practices, as they're called. Um, to be able to draw the form of the garment that you're making or to be able to um, draw a plan of something that you're constructing. Um, they're all the, the skills, the applied skills are the same as into making objects of art. Um, one of the things that I really enjoyed was learning how to use materials well and um how to to uh, well a variety of materials. In fact, that was my great pleasure was um, making uh, object material uh, sculptures out of found objects and combining materials in a, in a permanent way. And I actually found the challenge of that quite exciting. And I think about one of my favourite pieces, and I'll I'll 
um, hopefully when my um, new website is uh, open as soon as I get back from Europe, I'll be able to include some of those works in it. But, you know, everything from timber to bone, animal bones, glass, silver forms, um, and even um, uh, 2G, 2D images included in it as well. I mean, they, it takes you back to wonderful artists like Rosalie Gascoigne again and um, um, Cornell who used to combine mixed materials and um, make the most exciting little vignettes. It's their sort of jewel-like objects, if you, if you like, if they sit well together. Mm, sounds like beautiful. The, like the cabinet of curiosities idea that's um, um, every kid plays and makes their little altars and spaces, and that's just I'm just reliving my childhood, really. <laughs> well, well, indeed, I think you, you do have that element of, of play in, in the work that I've seen of yours. Oh, absolutely. Or childhood. There's real references to childhood in, in your work. Yeah. Can, you, can you speak to that a little bit, Sandy? Yeah, Tell certainly. Us about that. Well, um, I, was very, I was very fortunate as a child to have expat parents, and we lived – um, outside Australia, and I have um, three older sisters, and as they each progressively went off to boarding school, um, I find that as a small kid I used to have to become more and more creative in my play because I was on my own. And um, I that notion of um, uh, who am I and where do I come from came starkly to me as about a seven-year-old when someone once asked me where I came from, and I had to say, I don't actually know. Mm. I didn't know where I came from. This was in Southeast Asia. And um, so that's an, an issue that I didn't come to live in Australia until I started high school. So that notion of, of not belonging here and not belonging anywhere else was um, quite quite strong. And, and I, I think within my siblings as well, we've always – we haven't actually lived outside – Australia for any long period of time because we still have to feel that this is home because it never was. We didn't have it. Um, and so a lot of my work reflects that sense of displacement and um, talks to um, memory and what I have as a heritage from my childhood isn't na necessarily tangible, but it is memories, and that's what I find I express in a lot of the work that I make. Subconsciously, it all just pours out constantly. Mm. So, um, and and play and toys and childhood and images of the past, and and I suppose because of my age, I'm starting to think about family history and all those things, mm -hmm. um, and realizing how important it is because it. It um, once a member of your family goes, a whole swag, like more than a chapter of family history just disappears with them. So to hang on to those things and, and revive them and explore them and revere them in, in your art can be very rewarding. Wow. So that, that brings a, a, such a depth and richness, you know, to, to your work when people see that and they hear some of that story, I think. Well, um, I think it just resonates with a lot of people. I mean, maybe yes. the, the people who see my work who are of a similar generation um, find it um, it really resonates. Uh, well, they must do because um, when I was fortunate enough to have access to, um, to, to be making a lot of bronzes, 
which again discussed within the the um, visual language of those bronzes, it was childhood and play. And um, I, I I've only managed to retain a couple of them because people really want them. They they resonate. They really do. You mean people were buying them quickly? Yeah, yeah. And um, I, either that or I wasn't selling them for enough money. But <laughs> costing your works is a whole different kettle of fish. Oh, and- indeed, indeed. <laughs> That's very difficult, and you know, it, um, you have to, thinking about um, your market. And if you really intend on making a good living out of art, you have to really seriously think about what people want to purchase. You can't just make something and think, "Oh, someone will buy that," because they won't necessarily. Um, but that is a completely different discussion that, again. That is, but I do I do remember when, when I heard you speak the other week uh, that you said something really interesting around the fact that you felt it was really perfectly okay to be producing work for your market, you know, work that you know yeah. is going to sell, and then producing a second stream of work, if you like, which you feel well, is, nice. is a deeper, more personal process. And I, I just thought that was really freeing that you commented that way to, to help people sort of accept that, that they can actually do that. Well, it, it's just the practicalities of doing what you're doing. And, and yeah. I think I also mentioned that if you're fortunate enough to get a gallery who wants to sell you, then they will expect you to produce works that they know will sell. And that can that can lead to the production of, you know, works that you think, oh, same old, same old. But in order to survive, you might have to do that for a portion of your practice, but doesn't mean that for the rest of your practice you can't be developing new ideas. And then you can take those new ideas to that that gallery and say, I think this is this new idea will also resonate with our um, gallery um, crowd and you know if the, if they're prepared to sell one stream of your work, then perhaps with negotiation they might take on both, and you might develop a new a new series of um, collectors who are interested in in your work. But I think you also have to be brave enough to make something that they don't want to sell, yes. but exhibit it in any case, because otherwise change will never happen. Well, I think that's a, that's an excellent point, and you know what makes us happy is is knowing that we're progressing. Well, indeed, and and you know you look at dear Mr. Van Gogh, he didn't sell anything in his lifetime. I think he gave a painting to his brother, but can you? Nobody can buy one of his works now because they were so extraordinary and and unique. Um, so looking at the examples of the great artists who really resonated from the 20th century into the 21st century, the ones who, some of the ones who did not sell in their own lifetimes are probably the ones who are held in greatest esteem now. However, saying that, you've got Mr Picasso who was very good at knocking off a few hundred, um, a, a few hundred ceramic bowls because he had to put some kid through um, high school or... <laughs> He was a, a a very practical man with a very large family, so he knew how to, he knew how to, to um, play both fields, and and no one could accuse him of ever being unoriginal. No, true, very true. Sandy, if if we wanted to, uh, in fact, see the sort of work that you're selling, uh, where would we go? Is there a gallery, or is it online? How, how well, would, how would we get to see more of it? 
Well, as soon as my um, new website's up and running, there should be an opportunity. I have been involved in a couple of online galleries, but sadly they, um, as things go, they haven't survived that well. And mm -hmm. as um, I have got um, works around and about the place. I've got a very large piece that I had in Sculpture by the Sea, which is currently viewable at the um, in Sutton Forest in the Southern Highlands at the old Governor's Mansion, and it's called Hillview, and it's um, uh, a, a reception centre and hotel, and you can go there at any time. They've actually got quite a collection of works. They do a biannual sculpture show, um, and that, that piece is, is currently there. Um, because I've had a bit of a disrupted two years, I probably don't have the um, – reserve of works that I normally would have up my sleeve but I'm hoping when I come back from Europe that um, I'll I'll be um, having an exhibition um, hopefully in the beginning of next year maybe even sooner maybe December um, to um, show some of the works that I've produced while I was on residency in Paris and again from from my Italian trip so um I'll, as soon as um, I, I'm in a position to uh, exhibit, I'll let you know. But um, I have recently joined Instagram and I'll be broadcasting some of the things that I'm seeing and doing on that during my trip. Oh, that's fantastic. Yes, I love Instagram and I noticed that you just joined. So yeah, well, and I have to say it was through the auspices of um, the Creative Women's Circle that I actually did that because ah. I thought to myself, you know what? I am just not getting out there. <laughs> <laughs> Good for you. Good for you. I'm sitting at home having fun working on things yeah. in my in my new little house in the West, Western Districts and I'm just, uh, you know, you, you really got to keep thinking about getting out there and reminding people that you're around. Well, because being, being seen, isn't it? You know, I can't tell you how many artists seen. I've worked with that, that have like, yes, I, I, I'm very determined. I've got this goal to be successful and to sell work and get into a gallery, but oh, no, I don't really want to put anything online. Well, it can be incredibly challenging. I mean, any exhibition can be incredibly challenging. I think I, I use the analogy of pregnancy. When you put your works up on the wall in a public space and people come through and see it, it is like being pregnant. Everyone has an opinion and they're all very prepared to share it with you. <laughs> yes. And that can be terribly confronting. Indeed, indeed. And I find that happens around um, sales. You know, if oh, yeah. I find if, if I'm selling at an exhibition, and this is be close family and friends, you know, if I sell things, they'll say, oh, it was obviously too too cheap and if I don't sell things they'll say well it was obviously too expensive mm. and, and I'm like you know what it might have nothing to do with the price actually it might have nothing to do with the price it might be the crowd who were there were not the right people for the work or that the person who really would have wanted to buy it if they'd seen it couldn't go so exactly there's so many meanings we can make of those things and I think as artists uh, and this is obviously one of the things I am big on is you know dealing with our own mindset around yes. what our perceived failures and um you know how we actually interpret that to ourselves is just so crucial because it's a tough gig isn't it it's it a is really a very tough gig, tough gig. and I, I think the the by nature we tend to be solitary people we do live in our inside our heads a lot and that's where the ideas germinate and grow and and actually getting out there and and fronting the world is is really difficult and that's where having a cohort that you can all stand there together shoulder to shoulder can really make a difference group shows are a wonderful way of 
getting out there and starting starting mm. your exhibition practice is just because you have you have people to fall back on a solo show can be the loneliest experience um particularly if it's in a um in a uh a sort of community space mm-hmm. where you have to man it yourself you suddenly think why have I bothered coming? No one's walking past. And then 16 people will all trump through and you'll think, oh, well, that was worse sitting here for two hours. Yeah, that's, that's what I mean about the meaning we, The meaning we make of those things. You know, like within, within moments, if, if, if there's nobody that's turned up to your exhibition, well, let's say within hours, it's so quick. It, it happens so quickly, doesn't it? The meaning we start making of that in a negative way. Oh, and 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 artists can be terribly down on themselves because terribly. it's like bearing your soul yes, every time you yes. put a work on a plinth, in my case, or hang it on a wall. And and um, but I just think we just have to learn to suck it up and get on with it. If that's the course we've chosen to take, then that's the reality of it. That's right, and and that comes back to to you know that idea of finding the cohort, finding the community, uh, finding support, and strengthening your mindset. And I think you're really learning how to manage those things mentally, and being systematic about collecting email addresses and all those things, and and uh, you know, and also building admin time into your studio time so that you actually do download those email addresses onto, you know, a um, database so that you actually have access to them. So next time you have a show, Mm. you send them them notification because a lot of the time people just don't realise it's on. That's so true. That's so true. So communicating with with your buyers and collectors and and, and fellow artists, yes, great point. Indeed, and even for someone like me who's a bit um, (laughs) steam-powered, if I can do it, Anyone can do it. I love that steam powered. <laughs> well, you're going to be moving faster than, than steam when you jump on that plane next week, I believe. Oh, absolutely. Off, off to, to Europe. And um, I certainly look forward to following you on Instagram and, and the adventures of Sandy Blim. Uh, when you return, we'll make sure that we uh, track down the new website and I really would love to have you back sometime later on, Sandy, and, and have a chat about Europe, oh. Europe, the impact that had on the work and where that's all going to be exhibited. Well, I'd be delighted, Felicity. I, I'm, I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. I just can't help thinking that there's there's new adventure all around, the, all ahead and, and, you know, some of them just happen and some of them you create yourself and... and um, I look forward to um, talking to you again and, and also uh, make a point of um, casting an eye to your um, Facebook page and, and um, follow you as well and all the people who, who share time on, on, uh, online with you. Oh, thank you, Sandy. That would be fantastic. And, um, yeah, but very exciting to connect to you and I just knew when I heard you that I just needed to talk to you more. <laughs> And I'll look, talking to, look forward to talking to you even further again. So I really appreciate the time. I know you're sort of literally going to be jumping on a plane in a couple of days, so uh, I'm sure you're busy packing and sorting and oh. researching where, where, where you're going to, you know, hit the ground running. Oh, and, indeed I am. I've got lists and lists and lists and, <laughs> and, 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 and I'm just trying not to take too much stuff. Right. 
<laughs> but thanks, Felicity, very much. It's been great fun. Fantastic, Sandy. All the best, and we look forward to seeing more of your work uh, into the future. Thanks so much for talking with us today on the podcast, This Creative Life. And, Sandy, you've lived a beautiful and inspiring creative life in terms of uh, a woman who's found her feet, who's acknowledged that she's an artist and really embraced that. And personally, I find that incredibly inspiring. So thanks again for sharing, and we will catch up with you sometime in the near future. Thanks, Felicity. Okay, bye. bye for now. Thanks for listening, everybody. I hope you're feeling really ready to jump into your creative life. If you'd like more information about my inspiring 12-week online program to seriously unblock your creative life, pop on over to my website, felicityoconnor.com, and go to the Work With Me page. If you're after a super friendly, helpful community of creative people to hang out with, you must check out my amazing Facebook group called From The Easel and join hundreds of artists and creative people that have discovered that they don't have to take this journey alone.